Hello and welcome to the Smart Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Viola Levy, beauty journalist and founder of Smart Beauty Creative. Drawing on my own background working in the beauty industry, I chat to guests from some of the world's leading and disruptive beauty brands and organisations. We discuss how they built their brand's DNA, their own industry journey, any trends they may have noticed, as well as how to succeed in today's market, together with any other gems of wisdom they care to share. Today, I'm interviewing the brilliant Livia da Costa, founder of perfume brand Olfactivo. Designed to reflect the mood and personality of the wearer, each perfume in the range pays tribute to a fragrance family, from floral to woody, to fruity to gourmand. The latter was nominated for a prestigious Fragrance Foundation Award, and the range is stocked in Les Santers, one of London's poshest perfume boutiques. It will also soon be making its television debut on QVC, with Olivia herself gracing our screens as a guest presenter, following in the footsteps of Joan Rivers and Martha Stewart. Olfactivo perfumes are designed to be warm and inclusive, reflecting Olivia's modern Orthodox Jewish upbringing, where food was a big part of family life. In previous interviews, she has said, there's so much synergy between perfume and food, and probably a lot of my cultural heritage has subconsciously seeped into the perfumes I create. And as somebody who has tried more perfumes than I've had hot dinners, I can totally attest to that. Each one has a uniquely reassuring and slightly addictive quality to it. Olivia, it's so lovely to be chatting with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Firstly, huge congratulations on getting on to QVC. Oh my God. No, thank you. Well, thank you for that gorgeous introduction. I don't feel, um, I don't feel like I can live up to that, but, um, how am I feeling <laughs> about QVC? Absolutely terrified. So a lot of people keep asking me, you know, how, how are you feeling about being on TV? And I think, that's a terrifying concept already, but for a small brand getting all of the, like, uh, nuts and nuts and bolts in place of your stock and your testing um and the requirements from the qa point of view and your packaging is is just huge so i'm feeling overwhelmed but um like chunking it off day by day and then eventually i'm going to think about the fact that i'm going to be on live tv and hoping that i don't make a total fool out of myself <laughs> oh i'm sure you won't i'm sure that it will be so nerve-wracking in the lead up to it but then once you're in front of those cameras it will just all it'll all click into place i think that's what i've that, had <laughs> yes that is what i'm hoping and it it does it does kind of happen that way i have found when i i get very um anxious about presenting the fragrances but when i get into the moment it's you know it's just me and perfume and I get um I, I kind of have this out of body experience where I'm just so in the moment with the with the sense that I just forget about everything else so I'm hoping that that's what will happen when I go on live television oh well we'll all be rooting for you it'd be Thank great you. to sort of hear about your sort of background before you set up the brand so you worked as a fragrance buyer for a major retailer and I remember yeah. when we last spoke, you said about how kind of commercial and homogenous the industry had become. So it was a little bit out of step with like what the modern perfume consumer really wants. So could you elaborate a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. I think what I felt quite disillusioning uh, as, a, as a lover of perfume my whole life was understanding of, with a background in buying I, I've worked in homewares buying designing product and coming into fragrance buying 
understanding how the industry worked was illuminating, amazing to understand how to create a fragrance, put it into a vessel, whether it's a candle or an eau de parfum or, a, you know, a home scent um, and, and box it and package it, how just how commercial it had become and mm. how um, separated from the actual reality of what fragrance is, which is, and scenting is, which is very animal, very visceral, it's totally mm. uh, linked to our human natures. It's in the deepest part of our, you know, animal brains, the limbic system, and it's been commercialized as many things have been. And um, when I was buying, um, you would give a fragrance house uh, a brief, they would turn it around within a matter of weeks, uh, often using pre-made uh, constructions or formulations and they might adapt them slightly. So it's, it, there was just the magic, the art of perfumery lost, I felt. So mm. the, the the perfumer and I started on a very different journey. Um, the fragrance of the initial collection of five took two years, over two years to develop. I didn't even, wow. I didn't expect it to take that long, but I was quite happy to go on that journey because it was just what art, what scent should be when you are finished, when you feel that the fragrance is right, that's when mm. you stop. It's not to meet a brief. And what was your kind of eureka moment when you decided to branch out and set up the brand? Was there anything that particularly sparked that idea or was it a long time coming? I had had this idea from for, for quite a few years about connecting people to their scent personality. I wanted to create the bridge between niche perfume, which is amazing, artistic, creative, uh, a little bit wild card, does its own thing, and uh, mainstream fragrance or perfumery, and make it more accessible, make niche perfumes more accessible by connecting it through personality. So I'd had that idea for a while. And my husband and I were on our honeymoon in Bali, which feels like absolute lifetime ago now. And I said, well, I just got to do it. I just don't want it to be pipe dreams. Um, I always talk about, um, sorry, I'm totally digressing, but I always talk about Death of a Salesman, the play, which um, having studied English literature just sticks in my head. The fact that the main protagonist just talks about pipe dreams and never makes them, ha yeah. makes them happen. And I just wanted to make it happen. I felt like it was enough of a of an idea that that people would understand so yeah came home started working on it it took quite a few years to get it to where it is and here it is here it is now quite a few years later but still here it's like you can plan and plan and try and get all your yes. ducks in a row but it's just taking that leap of faith yes. and just hoping that it'll all fall into it's, place it is exactly that I, I was going to say the other thing is that just like absolute naivety um and you know the kind of thing you'd look back in hindsight and think I I would would I do this knowing everything I know now probably not but sometimes you like you say you just have to take take a leap and know that you love it and just go for it and your brand has such a sort of um, distinct uh, personality when it comes to sort of building a brand DNA like looking at its ethos the language that you use how did you sort of go about building that uh, that that took quite a lot of time actually. I, mm. I had an idea of what I wanted to look like, and I like just being totally honest. I lost some money initially, which still makes me a bit sad now because money, startup money, when you're small, is really precious. But yeah. I lost the money developing the brand uh, with people who didn't quite understand the identity that I was trying to deliver. 
and I have a creative eye and I know what I want to achieve mm. but I'm I'm not able to to do all of the artworking and the layouts and the lay down and I didn't have the technological still don't have the technological knowledge to build a website that reflects that brand so I I definitely lost some money I think on the journey but I tried to think of it as it just all helped me get to the point of where I was now to the point yeah and I it, it was about finding the right person and it's cheesy to say this but I should have trusted my gut initially like I had found someone who I really thought their I their artistic style appealed to me that we had a synergy and I'm still working with him now because he's just totally get what I'm trying to achieve for the brand and really help kind of push it on and maybe think outside the box as well. That's amazing. And I imagine that it can be very hit or miss when working with branding mm-hmm. agencies and creatives to kind of get that communication going and ensure that they understand you and what your vision is rather than them just going off and being creative. Like they need to listen to what it is that, you know, you want to say with this brand. Oh my God, a hundred percent. And it's, Hmm. It's a scary thing as a small brand. When you speak to branding agencies, they will tell you that they take your brief on board and you try to give them as much information as possible, as much creative. And then they will present to you their feedback. And if you don't like that feedback, you usually get about four creative visions. If you don't like those, you're you're a little bit stuffed, but you've already paid quite a lot of money for those. I, I learned a hard lesson with the first vision that it just wasn't right and and started again effectively just going back to what I knew was right but I think it's worth doing a lot of research up front shopping around and making sure you have a clear idea of what you want your brand to be you mentioned a perfumer that you work with and um, they choose to remain anonymous which is an interesting path to take because some perfume brands are now putting their perfumers front and center did you consider going down that route or um, are you happy with the the current dynamic as it is it was never really a question I was able to ask. It was like a done deal. Mm. He just never wanted to have his face in the public sphere. You know, when we started out, we had no idea what Olfactivo would become. And he put a lot of faith in me being able to deliver his fragrances. Um, but it was never a question. He is just a very shy, humble man. He talks about fragrance in a way that's totally hypnotic and I do feel it's always a shame that he won't air that conversation but I try to be a bit of a a conduit and deliver it to other people I I think it's a shame that 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 you know that direct conversation is lost and maybe one day I'll do like a big reveal but for now you know it keeps him very happy just creating and crafting and I get to have that direct conversation with him so definitely I know we've said in um when I've interviewed you in the past you've talked about how closely you guys work together and you have that synergy that I think that gets lost in the sort of world of corporations they need to bring evaluators Mm -hmm. in to sort of act as the middleman between the perfumer and the client so it's sort of having that natural connection and that easy dynamic is super important it's absolutely magic having been in the world of developing fragrance for other retailers for a long time the way that I work with the perfumer is just totally unique and so refreshing where it is not uh, dictated by budget limitation on time briefs and it's actually talking about raw ingredients the right ones to use where are they sourced from you know what is their longevity what is their quality what how do they change over seasons proper immersion in perfumery which 
sadly, most customers don't necessarily realize is not going on behind the scenes for a lot of perfume brands. But it's a reality. And it's, it's sad because it's the most enjoyable part of the whole process. And it can be very much sort of paint by numbers. If you've got like a board of directors deciding on what a perfume is yeah. going to smell like, it can be almost impossible to flex that creativity. Exactly. And I, I think the perfumer finds it really refreshing as well. It's why he decided to go and work independently because he was slightly, you know, he was fed up with the limitations and he just wanted to create without limitations. But he said, you know, we've known each other nearly, crikey, I think it's kind of up to like 10 years. And he says that, the way that we have influenced each other has been really fascinating for him because I've fed into his kind of nose in a way that he didn't imagine because he's just been so independent to the point that it was difficult for me to understand, but he has no idea about new launches, the new the market, what's going on in fragrance halls, what's coming out. I have to kind of talk to him about stuff, but amazing. To, it's a nose that's very naive in some ways, but also very wise just what is mm. right in front of him in terms of beautiful raw ingredients yeah that's quite lovely in a way it's just having that pure creativity without mm-hmm. having those concerns about what mm-hmm. people buying at the moment or what you think that the consumer will go for when you first started working with him what was did you give him a brief or was it that you both brainstormed together and then came up with the, the concepts for these fragrances so our first meeting we met in somewhere random in Kensington because we had no idea who each other was and it was a kind of <laughs> spot for his trains and yeah it's like a blind date <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it really was it was like a total blind date like hi will you be my perfumer <laughs> I think I pitched the idea to him and he told me how much each fragrance might cost and I thought Christ that's an awful lot of money that's probably the entire startup <laughs> budget all gone and I can't actually remember how it evolved from there but we didn't really talk about budget after that point I think I sent him my mood boards for each personality because he had an idea of fragrance but I had to talk to him about the idea of linking fragrance to personality and leading people into his creations through who they are, their characteristics, their mood, their moments. So each fragrance that we create starts with lots of visuals, some quite visual, colourful person, and then moments that this person might enjoy. And then I start to populate some of the fragrance notes that I think might work. But it evolves quite a lot from those fragrance notes, if I'm honest. So that's always the starting point and what we're anchoring it to. I really love that each of your fragrances is designed to capture a mood and reflect an aspect of someone's personality. Do you think that the way that people are wearing perfume today is different from 20 or 30 years ago? When you look at the way like perfumes are marketed in the 90s, when we were teenagers or when I was a teenager, you know, you get the kind of semi-naked 19-year-old like Sophie Dahl grabbing her boobs, very male gaze. (laughs) Do you think we've kind of moved away from all of that as perfume as being something merely to attract the opposite sex as heteronormative marketing would have it. There's no longer this kind of smoke and mirrors approach and people are taking a much more personal approach to scent and why we wear it. Oh, I really hope so. Mm. I hope so. I think it's still always going to be an underlying message in scent because scent, it's an animal sensation. We smell each other and that is what dogs and monkeys do. You know, we, we smell each other to read each who each other is. So I don't think that is going to go away. But I hope that it has led more into the authenticity of that so that you don't 
smell like everyone else and Mm. it's led people more into the niche artisan indie market to actually find fragrances which really suit them and really appeal to their scent identity as opposed to the mass market which is just creating scents based on the the ideal like you're saying in the you know this kind of image as opposed to the reality that actually you're just going to smell like everyone else and I think that the perfume world it seems to be quite stagnant when compared to other beauty categories like skincare and mm-hmm. hair care mm-hmm. and makeup mm-hmm. the perfume world it just seems very kind of set in its ways in yes. all senses why do you think that is and do you think it's that's all sent to change with like the rise of niche brands like yourself I think it's one of the slowest moving segments of the beauty industry and it's really fascinating. Like you take our Gourmand fragrance launched in at the end of 2021 and it rapidly became our best-selling fragrance and it still is. Whereas other areas of the industry might have moved on to, you know, a new colour or a new uh, of makeup or a, a new shade of nail varnish, the fragrance industry moves so much slower gourmand is still a huge trend for this year and I think for next year as well maybe it is because there is so much more nostalgia connected to fragrance we all associate it we all talk about our grandmas and grandpas and the smell of our youth or whether it's the cooking in the kitchen or the fragrance that our grandparents had at I their, agree. Um, yeah. you know at their dressing table and because it's so rooted to nostalgia and memories people are less quick to move on to the next thing and they hold yeah. on to those memories so I wonder if that's why it's the trends within fragrance I think people try to talk about them but ultimately there's always going to be this kind of undercurrent of nostalgia and people are going to stick to what they love Mm. maybe with slight variances and also it's more intimate and invisible it's not like Mm -hmm. carrying around the latest Gucci bag where everyone can see Mm -hmm. it it's a lot more subtle and it mixes with your own scent so it's not as obvious and in your face as other things are like the latest lipstick shade for example exactly I mean it's You do find people who say that they have stuck to a particular cosmetic or makeup for for a long period of time, but never in the same way that people say, I have worn this fragrance my whole life, you know, and I still remember it or I don't wear it now, but I still go back to it and smell it. It's such a different sensation. Like you said, it's so animal, so intimate, so personal Mm. that I think that's why it's slower to move which is a good thing. I think we should embrace that. I think that there's such that strong emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. I think people mm-hmm. that are very upset when formulas have to change and their favourite scent doesn't smell the way it used to. We've heard the news about how climate change is affecting the way perfume smells and yeah. how you know the scent of um, ingredients like bergamot is changing because of the climate changing Calabria, where that ingredient is mainly grown. So how do you deal with that as a perfume brand? It's one of many things that you have to factor into your, your the creation of a fragrance. Every time we buy our fragrance raw ingredients, we have to reassess them, basically. Where we're buying them from, what grade, because what might have been available last year is not available this year. And that's important because you want to make sure that you're buying it from a sustainable source. So it takes a constant reevaluation, basically, that you're reassessing uh, your formulation to make sure it smelt like it did the last time you bought it, but without compromising either your kind of ethical commitment or the fragrance. Mm. And yeah, it's fun because you get to smell so many different variations, but it also it always fills me with anxiety because 
you don't want to disappoint your customers and you want to make sure that what they're receiving every time, if they're repurchasing, is as great as the first time they bought it. You mentioned about sustainability there. Is that one of the kind of other main challenges when it comes to being a niche brand, like trying to source ingredients sustainably, but then also factoring in sort of overheads and costs to make sure that it all is feasible from a, a financial point of view? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Mm. It's a huge... <laughs> hugely overwhelming as you said because as a small brand the levers that you can pull are much it's much harder to pull them because you are so so much smaller and less weight and less power but one of the key things I knew from the start that would help us help Olfactivo on its journey was to eliminate as much plastic as possible from our supply chain so there is I think about one or two percent of it in our product which is in the cap because that in in the in the pump because that is a really hard nut to crack but in terms of packaging um we have no cellophane i mean i carried around different colors and finishes of boxes for days in my handbag because i wanted to make sure that any box we had never needed cellophane i mean there are environmentally friendly alternatives but they still take uh nearly 10 years or more to decompose and that's still a long amount of time so i just wanted Mm. to make sure that we were and also what a waste of money you know to to put money from a from a startup brand into something like that when you could be spending it on the fragrance instead um so yeah it, it was it was more about how can we design ourselves to be environmentally friendly, but in a cost-effective way that doesn't compromise what the customer is going to receive? And that is the ultimate conundrum. <laughs> I don't know if it solves all the answers, but I, we certainly tried very hard to. Um, and where do you stand when it comes to sort of using naturals versus synthetics? Because I know that obviously using naturals comes with its own set of problems when it comes to mm. making sure that sort of raw materials aren't being depleted and there's not too much aggressive farming going on that contributes to deforestation. Whereas on the flip side, there are some great organic synthetics, as they're called, or green chemistry yeah. going on where synthetic ingredients are both safe and sustainable. So where do you kind of stand on that? We believe in a balance of both in our fragrances I don't think you can have well certainly the fragrances that we're creating can have balanced qualitative fragrance without naturals and synthetics working together and like you said there are certain naturals that you can use and use sustainably and there are others that you can't and shouldn't Um, and there are also synthetics amazing developments in aroma uh, chemicals where you can find the most incredible incredible nose sensations that you would just not find in nature and some you Mm. do find in nature but actually making them in a laboratory is much more sustainable than distilling them from the raw material from nature so I truly believe that if perfumery is going to progress in a way that supports the environment we have to use both. Someone I um, heard describe synthetics as um, the special effects when it yes. comes to perfume, which I think is a great yeah. way of, of capturing it. Exactly. Like you've got that. the sparkly aldehydes and, and things like that that exactly. lift it. Mm. And where would we be? I know that they're spoken of so often, but where would we be without Isui Super and Broxan, Civitone, Muscone? Because obviously we're not going to go and take, you know, Civit Civitone from Civits and, and Yeah, we're not going to locking up civic cats and <laughs> doing God knows exactly. what with them, like, unmentionable exactly. stuff to get that civet out. But the creation of them is is just 
stunning um mm. and and it's just you know realizing what we can now create which is an advancement on where perfumery used to be and and just appreciating that what do your customers tend to want from a perfume what are the sort of main kind of comments or queries that you get from customers i'm sure you've built up a really loyal fan base yeah. um, what are the sort of main questions that they put to you very very top question is how long will it last i think for so many people is a sign of uh, quality is how long will the fragrance last on my skin and that was at the forefront of our development with the perfumer i mean he has this like this it's like a forest of dry downs in his studio where he's got his um sense strip holders just drying down loads and loads and loads of different raw materials and accords so we you could revisit one of our fragrances and i often do i revisit them six weeks seven weeks later and i can still smell them on strip so that's something that i always feel really confident talking to our customers about mm. I think the other thing people want to know is not so much about notes because notes, unless you really are in perfumery, it's very hard to imagine what a fragrance smells like from middle and base notes. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much impossible, is it, to convey? I know as, as a perfume writer, yeah. you just can't convey what it's going to smell like in words. It's just you have to kind of approximate it. It's possible. You're not going to know until you actually buy and smell the thing what it's actually going to no, smell like. Exactly. You might recognise maybe, oh, rose or tuberose or yeah. like citrus. You might recognise one yeah. of it, but you're never going to know what a whole combination of top mid and, and face is no. going to smell like together. So, no. Um, you can give an impression, want... but you can never capture it fully in that so way. So I try to talk about the mood, the moment what kind of person this might suit right down to what celebrity might wear this fragrance that really helps people understand which of our collection might be right for them what perfume celebrities actually wear i find really interesting as well a simplistic newbie but it really does help instantly transport a person into the mood of that fragrance who is it so after longevity describing a scent in that way helps bring the fragrance to life for a lot of people and going back to qvc it's obviously the holy grail for beauty brands i recently watched the film i don't know if you've seen it called joy with jennifer lawrence yeah um, i've watched it too it terrified me even more oh my god <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like career porn for a lot of us i think it's people who haven't seen it it's about a self-made millionaire who started her own business empire on qvc and i've been like it shows you the history of qvc and the inner workings and i don't know i've, I've been obsessed ever since with how QVC operates, even though I don't have a brand to sell on there. What advice can you give for up and coming brands who want to get their product in front of the cameras? Oh my goodness, Viola. Can you ask me <laughs> after I've done it and I haven't made a like hit of myself on live TV? And then, don't be silly. Don't be daft. And, and then I feel qualified. QVC is in an interesting one. I think I approached them because I really felt that there was quite a lot of synergy between what our fragrance house is trying to do in terms of encouraging people to look at fragrance not just from the smell but from the personality so people don't necessarily need to be smelling it obviously they can't on live tv but can understand if it suits them from the description on the bottle labels from how we talk about it the moments that that person might enjoy so i think it's about really asking yourself is it is your brand one that would work on television and what do you think fits the criteria of that perfume it's sorry to interrupt imagine with perfume it's really difficult because yeah. it's invisible like we were yeah. just saying it's so tricky to convey it in yeah. words it's so hard I mean, we're going when 
planning how we're going to go live and thinking about presenting some sent notes but don't want to present too many because as we were saying sent notes are very hard to to understand or to even imagine in the moment unless you are a perfumer who has trained them into your memory over Mm. many years so presenting some sent notes on screen but mostly talking about the personality, the moment, so like Woody, the dark horse secret keeper and thinker, really like to relax on the sofa at night with a glass of red wine, watch Netflix, furry blanket, cat, all of those moments that might help immerse a person in, in the fragrance. But I don't yet feel like a knowledge on it because, like I said, I could just completely fluff it. So <laughs> I'm sure maybe, you'll absolutely smash it. Maybe I'll be better placed afterwards. I think retail can be a very hard space. And I think you really have to believe in what you're doing mm. and in your fragrances and in your brand and know to be able to push it forward to, to retailers to, to make them understand that this is something that their customers are going to love. And I think having a strong founder story like yours and having the founder kind of front and centre to say, look, this is why I created it. I absolutely love this product. You know, it sounds a cliche, that old cliche, there was nothing on the market until I, I had to create it myself. But I think in a lot of cases, that's true. And I think having yeah. stories like yours and having founders right. be like the spokesperson brand, I think is another good way of making your brand good for TV. Thank uh, you. Telegenic, you are that's the word I was looking for. Telegenic. <laughs> I haven't actually heard that word, but you are the fourth person. No, for this person to tell me that after I honestly tried to chicken out of doing the actual presentation myself and I was told absolutely not you've got to do it because you are the only one who you know who can really talk about your brand and and your fragrances and the way that you do and I think I started to realize that that exactly as you said you know I set it up because I truly believe that people need to be connected to their scent personality so who's going to be able to say that better than me definitely it's like joy in the film like she starts off nervous and then in the end she's away with it because it's her invention and it's her whole story and she's finally getting the opportunity to to have her say yeah it definitely will like I say it's like career porn really it's like one day I'll be a millionaire it's just a matter of time (laughs) and uh, what's next for olfactive oak so you've got a new fragrance coming out citrus I'm so excited. So the big things for this year are, first of all, QVC. And one of the main reasons for embracing QVC is to hopefully also generate the uh, turnover in order to launch our new fragrance, Citrus, Mm. which is just glorious. I was a little bit sad because we wanted to launch it the first half of this year, but various, because it, it it does have a, a summery, uplifting feel, but then to me, it's also quite celebratory. It's kind of fireworks, New Year's Eve, mm, just want to go out and party kind of scent. So I'm excited yeah. that we'll be able to launch it the second half of this year and then launch for a, like a small brand like us take work and thought and make it but and and because it is so stunning, I just want to make sure we do it in the most beautiful way. And do you think there's a, a trend towards like happy scents, like people want that kind of mood lifting, happiness boosting perfume that just makes us feel good, not just smell good for others? Massively, massively. Mm. So there's this huge there's a huge trend this year for skin scents, and we've had a skin scent in our collection, as you probably know, since we launched. But this it's what a lot of people describe as a hug in a bottle. And 
I yeah. think people just want to feel looked after, cozy. They want to feel like they're kind of wrapped in cashmere and velvet. And I, I think that's what the first half of this year will feel like. And then I think towards, you know, as the sun starts to come out and it stops snowing. Why is it snowing? I know, um, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what the hell is up with that? We're in March. Anyway, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Once it stops snowing, we can keep our skin on, but layer on kind of celebration that we're coming out of our shells I think you know picnics in the park meet up with friends rosé on the lawn and just celebrating the fact that we're having a summer more distantly from Covid will feel really great so absolutely that's what it's all about um, Olivia it's been such a pleasure chatting with you um, I'm just about to douse myself in your gourmand scent as soon as this interview is yeah. done. Best of luck with everything you've got coming up and I'll be Thank cheering you. you on on QVC. When can people tune in? That is going to be the weekend of the 22nd to 23rd of April. It is their big beauty extravaganza weekend. So I think it will be quite an exciting one on live TV. Well, thank you so much again, Olivia. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Viola. I hope you enjoyed that episode. All links will be in the show notes and feel free to visit smartbeauty.com or visit us on Instagram to find out more about what we do. And if you enjoyed listening, please don't forget to rate and review Smart Beauty on iTunes as it helps other people find us. See you next time.